Hello, welcome to Out of Curiosity. It's our podcast where we try to bring biblical clarity for modern questions. I'm Garland, this is Nick. And today the question has to do with prayer. Well, we're starting with prayer. Uh, As a Christian, uh, God asks us to pray. He asks us to pray uh, on behalf of other people. He asks us to pray for, to lift our supplications to Him. And it it brings a theological question up. Right. Does God change His mind? Hmm. Are we asking God to change Yep. something when we pray. Yeah. Um, and which maybe brings up more theological questions of when we look at some of the language in the Old Testament, it sure seems like God changes his mind at times. Right. Do this and then somebody prays and he, oh, and then God relented or changed his mind. Yeah. What do we do with that? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a really great question. And I think in a lot of ways, one New Testament scholar said all of our hardest theological questions hinge on the issue of God and time. Yep. How does an infinite, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful God interact with finite people in time? Mm-hmm. And that's a mystery where we hit a wall of our understanding. And so we have some, some evidence and some data points that we got to wrestle with and, and try to come to, to terms with. And so we have some, some biblical verses that, that assert some strong things about God. You know, uh, Numbers twenty three nineteen: God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Seems like a pretty clear assertion. Mm-hmm. When God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. He's not going to change his mind about it. 1 Samuel 15, 29, who, He who is the king of glory does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Seems pretty Cut and dry. direct. God doesn't dry. change his mind. So then, um, to the other side of that, same concept, same idea, 1 Chronicles 21, 15, And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. But as the angel was doing so, the Lord saw it and relented concerning the disaster. Mm -hmm. Changed his mind. Um, And said to the angel who was destroying the people, Enough! Withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then standing at the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. So here we have an example of God doing the exact thing he says he's not going to do. Right. He never does. Yeah. He's incapable of doing it. He's not a human that he's going to change his mind. And then here he is, he's given a sentence, Mm -hmm. and then he stops. Um, and it goes even further, Jonah 4, 1-2. So Jonah has been sent by God to proclaim God's judgment on Nineveh. And Nineveh repents and God doesn't judge them. And I think Jonah's words are really interesting. It says, but to Jonah this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. Check this out, a God who relents from sending calamity. Mm-hmm. Jonah's saying, God, I know this is part of your character. Right. Changing your mind is part of who you are. It's exactly who you are. It's exact, that's yeah. the heart of who you right. are. So and I we, knew it. I knew, I knew it, it I knew, about you, and God. So how do we reconcile God saying, on the one hand, part of my character is that I don't change my mind. And then here's Jonah, the prophet, saying, God, I knew that part of your character is that you change your mind. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, um, we could read a couple ways. We could read this is just a blatant contradiction. Um, we could try to squash the evidence, and I think that's, that'd be a really bad way to do theology. You've got some texts that seem to say one thing, another group of texts that say the other. Well, let's pick the one we think is more true and explain away the, the one we disagree with. Uh, I think a better thing is to try to sit in the tension of the two and recognize that there's, there's more to the story here. 
that we are not recognizing the nuance of what's happening. Kids are awesome at this with their parents, mm -hmm. right? So you say something like, hey, we don't do dessert before dinner. Yeah, but last Saturday you let me have cake at three o'clock. Yeah, you were at a birthday party. Okay, you see, that's not really your rule, mom and dad. Kids do that. They refuse to recognize. They definitely do that. They, they, yeah, they refuse to recognize when circumstances are different. They refuse to recognize that certain things are said in a certain context to a certain situation. Mm -hmm. And so there is a character trait of God that he is reliable and that he is faithful mm -hmm. to his word. And there is a character trait of God that he is merciful and that he responds to people where they are. And so I think we mentioned earlier that one of the key issues is the question of God and time. How does God, who is eternal, who sets a plan and does not relent, interact meaningfully with humans who are living out their lives in time? And so, you know, a parenting illustration I would use, I have a daughter, and let's imagine that my daughter, she's in second grade, comes home in tears one day. Uh, because some boy that she really thought was cute rejected her on the playground. And she's weeping to me and says, Daddy, I'll never be loved because this boy doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Right. Okay, now, with my infinite more knowledge than her, I know that rejection from an elementary age kid does not mean a life of loneliness and rejection. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, I, I believe that this was not her one chance at love. I could take the posture based on me knowing more than her and say, kid, you're being extreme. That's not true. Okay, and I would be right. I would be right that, that what she believes right now is not reality. And that would be a complete failure as a dad to meet her where she is. Right. Because where she is is she was just rejected. So what am I going to do as a dad? I'm going to sit down with her and I'm going I'm to empathize with the fact that she's, she's in a place of rejection right now. And, and that's where I would meet her. In the same way, God is walking with his people, and he's shaping them. And so if, if God were to, in his sovereignty, he could tell us how every script is going to play out. When we're walking in sin, he could say, um, I'm not going to judge you for this because tomorrow you're going to repent. Right. But that's not actually meeting his people where they are. When people are in rebellion, they need to know the consequences of their rebellion. That is the based on God's character, that is his consistent response to sin, mm -hmm. is to promise judgment. And based on that same faithful character, when those people repent, God will consistently respond with mercy. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we put the two together, now, how does that work with the fact that God knew they were going to repent? That goes beyond our, that, that's beyond our pay grade. Understanding him interacting with a timeless, eternal God and interacting with people in time is beyond what we can know. But I think what we can say is God consistently interacts with people living in a finite world. Mm -hmm. And what we're really trying to affirm when we say God doesn't change his mind is he's reliable and he's faithful. He's so reliable that he will reliably extend grace to a broken and repentant people. And he will reliably punish um, people who do not repent. And so I think at the beginning point, that's, what, that's where we're going to enter into this. So when we ask the question, does prayer matter? I think I've heard people handle the question to say, oh, no, God doesn't respond to our prayers. 
all that's really happening is our hearts being shaped to God. It's only for us. Yeah, it's only for us. us. I've heard the example, um, you know, someone's fishing and they cast their net and they catch a boulder and they start reeling. They go, oh my goodness, I'm pulling the boulder to me. And they don't realize the boat's actually being pulled right. to the boulder. And so right. that's what happens in prayer. Right. We think that God's answering our requests. We don't realize that God's sitting still and we're, we're being, we're just moving. We're, yeah, moving. we're moving. I don't think that reflects the biblical language right. of a God who answers. Uh, more than anything, a God who was incarnate. Who came as Jesus. Who came yeah. as Jesus. And so how do we reconcile those two? We can't, I don't know how to reconcile the fact that God is sovereign and infinite and responds to our prayers. Mm-hmm. But the scriptures clearly teach both, mm-hmm. that he does. And so where, where that should leave us as people who are worshiping a God who's beyond what we can fully comprehend is a place of absolute confidence that he's reliable and that he has a plan and that I can't mess up his plan. There's nothing I could do to train wreck the plan of God. Mm-hmm. And my actions matter. Right. And he calls me to pray to him and he really answers my prayers. Mm-hmm. And so we can live in that tension without having all the questions answered. Right, let the tension lead us to worship and honor God because right. we're finite and right. he's infinite. Yes. We are in time and he created time right. as opposed to lead us to either frustration or to apathy Yep. Or to anger at the Lord, how, or, or to just turn off. It doesn't matter what I do. Right. Uh, there are there are lots of things in life that we are given the boundaries of how to walk in them, even if we don't understand them. Right. I'm not a car guy. I don't know how cars work, but I do know how to operate one safely. Mm-hmm. Um, in a similar way, I can't explain to you how it works that God is sovereign and responds to my prayers. But I can tell you that that's what a life of faith looks like. Right confidence in a God who is sovereign and praying to him because he responds. And obedience. And obedience. And obedience to him. And so I I know that it's not that God ignores me and moves ahead of his plan. I also know that it's not that I manipulate God into doing my will. Right. Those are are two out-of-bounds approaches, but rather it is living in this tension that God has a plan that is bigger than me, and I can trust him with that plan, and he listens to my prayers, and I should bring my life, my fears, my worries, concerns to him. Well, man, that's, that's really helpful. It helps us to wrap our minds around it and hopefully even illuminates for me just the bigness and just the awesomeness of our God. So yeah. thanks for answering that question, and uh, thanks for listening to Out of Curiosity. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity as we discuss the question, does God change his mind? We encourage you to look into this for yourself even more and recommend looking in scripture at Malachi 3, verses 6 through 7, James 1, 17, Jonah 3, and Isaiah 38. We also recommend the book Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem and No One Like Him by Paul Feinberg. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to oocuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at oocuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.